Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And this week we're doing part two of chapter 31, which starts off with, uh, I believe, Vivacious point of view, right? No, Wintero's point of view, but yes. he's still with Vivacious. After things have kind of started to calm down from his confrontation with his father, Kyle has stalked away and Wintero is still kind of sitting up by Vivacious at this point. He is remarking on how things are not silent aboard this ship because they're never always calm. They're, or they're never calm or quiet. People are always shouting out for water, for air, begging. And the cramped quarters and the stench and the stingy rations of ship's bread and water made the slaves turn on one another like rats in a rain barrel. Not so different, Wintrow thought, from Vivacious and me. In their own way, they were like the slaves changed cheek by jowl below. They had no space to be separate from one another, not even in their thoughts and dreams. No friendship could survive such an enforced confinement, especially not when guilt was an invisible third sandwiched between them. He had abandoned her, left her to her fate, and for her, the one whispered comment when she had first seen his marked face, this falls upon me, she had said, but for me none of this would have been fallen you. That is true, he had, had agreed to her, but that does not mean it is your fault. By her stricken look, he had known that his words wounded her, but he had been too weary and despondent on his own behalf to try to soften them with yet more useless words, and that had been hours ago before his father had attacked him. So we get a little recap from Wintrow's point of view here that, yes, he knew that his words hurt her, but he's just so done. Kind of like what we were talking about before and what you had said before, Emma, about how Wintro just doesn't have the capacity to listen or talk to Vivacious at this point. Or at that point, I guess. Right. And there's definitely this sense of being overwhelmed, I think, especially because they're sharing their feelings and thoughts every waking second of the day. There's just no escaping this. And on top of all the horribleness of all of the slaves and what they're all going through, Wintrow also has to reckon with his own horrible fate that has just changed dramatically. There is a lot going on, and obviously Vivacious has her own things going on that are also being needed to be addressed, but he just doesn't have capacity right now. There's not... It's not a good time. And I think that's kind of how it works in real life, too. Like, sometimes you and your friends or support systems are all going through a lot. And it's really hard to be there for someone else when you can't even be there for yourself. And so in this moment, it's just really bad timing. And even Wintro sees that, that like, right. it's more of a product of what is happening to them than them not being compatible for friendship. Yeah. But even so with that close confinement and him self-reflecting it and believing those words, they still have, bitter conversations and anger rises up in each of them. She's silent for a while and he's kind of glad of that. And when she does speak, she asks, what are we going to do? And the futility of that question jabbed him. The bitter words rose, rose to his lips spontaneously. Do? Why do you ask me? I no longer have any choices as to what I will do. Rather, you should tell your slave what you command. I have no slave, Vivesha replied with icy dignity. Outrage crept gradually into her voice. 
If you wish to please your father by calling yourself a slave, say you belong to him, not me. His long frustration found a target. So, I mean, it comes true immediately after, the half a page later of what he was saying, that no friendship can last that close confinement and people are fighting down below, just kind of reflects back to his relationship with Vivacia. Right. And on top of that, they're connected right now. They both are frustrated and that is feeding on Wintrow's own anger. Vivacia's frustration and anger feeds his anger and he's not even fully aware that that's what's happening. He just thinks it is his own anger building up and like his father has found a target that isn't the correct one, but the one that he's decided to take it out on. Right. And that's Vivacia. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've kind of compared this before to, Fitz finding Night Eyes in the market and how their angers just kind of reflected one another and made it greater until they finally realized that they were sharing each other's. And that's kind of similar to this as well. They share so much with each other that they're both just arguing now. And it would be really hard to have an argument with somebody who can feel your underlying thoughts. Right. Like, I think... Especially when you're mad and you're in an argument, you think things that aren't true. Like you're not processing things and really having deep, meaningful thoughts. You're just having like the byproduct of your anger being brought to the surface of your thoughts and egging you on. And I think that would be even harder if all the unspoken things in the argument you're having is being heard by the person that you're arguing with. Right, yeah. Like, I'm sure we all have been in an argument where we think unpleasant things, that it's a good thing the other person isn't hearing. Because <laughs> it's not it's not really what you're thinking. It's, I mean, I guess it's really what you're thinking. But it's not what you would say. It's just your brain's reaction to the anger. Mm-hmm. It's like an unfiltered thought. And it's unfiltered right into the other person's brain. So, Wintro continues this argument saying, My father is intent on pleasing you with no regard to what it does to me. If it were not for your strange nature, he would never have forced me to serve aboard you. My strange nature? And whence did that come? Not from my will. I am what your family has made me. You spoke of choices a moment ago, saying you no longer had any. I never had any. I am more truly a slave than any mark on your face can make you. Wintro snorts in disbelief. His anger was rising to match her own. You a slave? Show me the tattoo on your face, the manacles on your wrists. Easy for you to flaunt such words about. Vivacia, this is not something I play act. This mark is on my face for the rest of my life. He forced the bitter words from his lips. I'm a slave. Are you? Her voice was hard. Before, you said you were a priest and that no man could take that from you. But that, of course, was before you ran away. Since you have been dragged back, you have shown me otherwise. I'd believed you had more courage, Wintro Vestrit, more determination to shape yourself. Outrage at her words overtook him. What would you know of courage, ship? What would you know about anything that is truly human? What can be more degrading than to have someone take all decisions from you, to tell you that you are a thing that belongs to him, to no longer have a say in where you will go or what you will do? How can one keep any dignity, any faith, any belief in tomorrow? You speak to me of courage. What can I know of courage? What can I know of such things? The look she swung upon him was terrible to behold. 
When have I ever known anything else than to be a thing, a possession? Her eyes blazed. How dare you throw such things up at me? Wintrow gaped at her. He tries to recover himself. It is not the same. It is more difficult for me. I was born a man and silence. I never put my mark upon your face, but your family spent three generations putting your mark upon my soul. Yes, soul. This thing dares to claim one. She looked him up and down and began to speak. Then she caught her breath. A strange look passed over across her face so that for an instant a stranger seemed to look out at him. We are quarreling, she observed in a sort of wonder. We are at odds. She nodded to herself, seeming almost pleased. If I can disagree with you, then I am not you. And I'll pause there real quick, because I read quite a bit of their discussion, their argument, but it kind of goes back to their previous discussions just said in anger. It's Wintrow being like, you're not a thing of saw. I'm not sure if you're natural or if you're of my god. Uh, are you just a ship? What are you? Where did you come from? And the added layer, and the added friction and anger pops up about Wintrow being a slave and that becoming his identity. And very, very oddly and roughly saying that his slavery is worse than Vivacious because it's not really real because Wintrow was born a human and didn't have a choice in this. It's just so it's unobservant. <laughs> it's really interesting because it puts this very serious thing into the feeling of a child's argument. Yeah. And I think it's really well done because while slavery obviously is a very serious thing and it is life changing, it is something that you wouldn't want to ever happen to you. It is still juxtaposition with this creature who didn't ask to be part of this family, who didn't ask to be created. His right. family did that. And the overlooking of Vivacia and her struggle and the thing that she has been talking about the whole time he's known her, he has been so self-absorbed in the, the woe is me feeling for himself that he has not even considered for a moment what Vivacia may have been going through. And on this voyage where she has been alone with no companion, nobody to take her side, she has constantly been helping Wintrow, constantly been reassuring him, trying to be his friend. And he has given her almost nothing in return. Yeah. And here we have him complaining. And it's hard because, yes, Wintrow is a slave and that's horrible. But I think rightly so from Vivacia's point, is he really a slave? He's a slave to his family's ship that they own, and his mom is going to find out. I'm sure she would not let him continue to be a slave. She would probably right. pay whatever needs to be paid to get him the jewelry to show that he's a free man. He does not have to be a slave for the rest of his life. And I think it's clear that he is still a spoiled brat even in this moment. Yeah, I was going to say it really shows the vestrate slash haven in him because of his such selfish thoughts Similar thoughts that Althea had, where she was self-absorbed with her own decisions and how they would only affect her. Right. There is no care for other people and how other people might be going through harder things. Or even similar things and right. that you can relate to. Like uh, like Althea and Brashen, how Althea's like, oh, we're not even similar and we don't even know one another. When Brashen's sitting there like, I've gone through the same things as you. That really hurt me. It's very parallel to this. where. Yes. Vivacious, although it's a little bit more 
of an argument between these two right. here. But it's just similar. Like, you're the one person who is supposed to understand my plate and you refuse to and you're just thinking of yourself. How dare you? Right. And it's it's really hard because as much as I like Wintro, I think Wintro is a great character and overall pretty morally sound. In this moment, we get, again, the failings of him, his shortcomings, and yeah. we really get to see how he really is just a 14-year-old boy. There is that selfishness there that comes from the naivety of a child of, well, your problem can't be as bad as mine because I feel my pain and I don't feel yours. And I think that's really what it comes down to. Like compassion is something that you have to understand that, yeah, you never know exactly what that other person is feeling, but that doesn't mean that it's less than you just because you don't feel it. And the worst part is, in this case, if he gave any sort of effort, he could feel exactly what Vivacia is feeling and going yeah. through, but he still doesn't care. And with that view of it, you can look back at all of his interactions and view it through that lens of, yes, he has been self-absorbed, self-obsessed, obsessed, and doesn't care about Vivacia's plight at all. Yes, he'll he'll have thoughts of like, oh, this must be hard on her, What? Like what I'm saying might hurt her a little bit, but just in his general actions, time and time again, he always proves that he's number one and he's the only one that's has the serious issue that he needs to work through. Right. I mean, it's not like his job to help other right. people work through theirs, but they're supposed to be partners in this. They're bonded together and he just doesn't give anything. Yeah, it's definitely a really hard situation because like on the one hand, he is 14 and slash 15 and is still learning and has had a pretty sheltered, privileged life. So, of course, he doesn't know the best way to react in these situations and becoming a slave is a really big deal. And that right. is really hard to process on your own, especially after you just got beat up by your dad, who then was like, I <laughs> would literally rather you go to the serpents than be my son. Right. So... Obviously, there's a lot going on. It's not his fault that he's having a hard time, like sifting through these emotions and that he can't, he is being selfish. Like, that's obviously very okay in this situation. However, it's really unfortunate because Vivacia, who is also just a baby, is going through way worse. And it would be better if he could be there for her too. And he could understand yeah. that the world isn't about him. Yeah. And, and Vivacia is sitting here like, oh, you, you think you're a slave and that's the end of the world? That's literally what I've been trying to tell you since you came on board me and you had these questions about what am I? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I'm trying to figure that out as well. But now her revelation like, oh, we can be at odds with one another and I'm still me. Like we're not forced to move in one direction together. And Wintrell's like, of course, and his irritation with her came back. I am not you and you are not me. We are separate beings with separate desires and needs. If you have not realized that before now, you need to. You need to start being yourself, Vivesha, and discover your own ambitions and desires and thoughts. Have you ever even stopped to think what you might truly want to do for yourself other than possessing me? With a suddenness that shocked him, she suddenly separated herself from him. She looked away from away from him, but it was far more than that. He gasped as if deluged with cold water, and a shiver ran over him followed by giddiness. If he had not already been sitting, he might have fallen. 
He hugged himself, for the wind seemed suddenly colder on his skin. In wonder, he admitted, I didn't realize how hard I was struggling to keep myself apart from you. Were you? she asked almost gently. Her anger of a few moments ago was gone. Or was it? He could no longer feel what she felt. So right there is an interesting read because I read this as if Wintrow is not good at telling other people's emotions. Yeah. Because he's like gasping like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how hard I was struggling to keep myself apart from you. The very thing that is like at the center of her anger and one of her feelings of disappointment and he judges her as her anger is gone. He's like, oh, were you asking him gently? Oh, my God. Wintro. Yeah, it's not good. <sighs> well, even when he could feel her emotions, he didn't really care. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. not, I guess didn't care is a little strong. It was more like, well, my own thing is more pressing. I'll deal with that later. Yeah, he, he literally only separated himself off and didn't think that she could separate from him or didn't even try to explore the bond to see if they could separate the feelings out between one another right. through the bond. Like, there's nothing going on with that. It was just him holding himself apart. And I think it's really interesting because I think Wintrow's starting to realize that there was a comfort in that connection. I think that Wintro enjoys the connection that he and Vivacia have on yeah. that deep level. I think he does really get a lot from that, but he doesn't realize that he feels that way. I think he doesn't realize how selfish he is in that, that he doesn't want to share himself, but he wants her to share everything. Right. That it's, he continues on and he almost feels like it's unfair that she's done this. He doesn't know what to do now that they're separated like that. There's no way to tell how she's feeling. And I think it's really interesting to have that. Like it feels again to liken it to Fitz and Night Eyes. It feels like that first time when Night Eyes pulls away from Fitz. Yeah. There's that feeling of, wait, what? Well, now I don't know what you're thinking though. And it's uncomfortable. And it's like, yeah, but that's what you've been doing this whole time. That's what you've been wanting. This is the wall you have been putting up and begging for. Mm -hmm. And now that you understand how it feels on the other end, you don't like it. It's like, yeah. And like, think about the fact that she had to endure that for that long. It's really sad. I don't know. I feel really bad. It's hard, right? Because in this moment, I feel bad for both of them. I think they both are in the right in their own ways. I think it's hard to put blame fully on either of them. Right. But in this moment, she makes that decision and says with finality, we are better parted. And Wintrow goes on like, I thought, you know, Live Ship had to have a partner. And she's like, it didn't seem to concern you when you ran away. So don't let it concern you now. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, he ventured. His own anger was suddenly gone. Perhaps he had only been feeling hers. Vivacia, I am here whether I want to be or not. As long as I'm here anyway, there is no reason why. The reason is that you have always held back from me. You admitted that just now. And another reason is that perhaps it is time I discovered who I am without you. I don't understand. That is because when I was trying to tell you something important earlier today, you were not listening. Her voice did not sound hurt. Instead, there was a studied calm to it that suddenly reminded him of Berendal when his tutor tried to point out an obvious lesson. 
I suppose I wasn't, he admitted humbly. I'll listen now if you want me to. Now is too late, she said sharply. Then she amended it too. I don't want to tell you about it now. Perhaps I want to puzzle it out for myself. Maybe it's time I did that for myself instead of always having a vestrit do it for me. But what shall I do? It was his turn to feel abandoned and shut out. She turned back to look at him and says, A slave would ask such question and be wait to told. A priest would know the answer for himself. She almost smiled. Or have you forgotten who you are without me? She asked the question but desired no answer. She turns him back and fully shuts him out. After a time, he heaves himself to his feet, grabs the bucket and a rag, and goes down below to do what he can for the slaves. So that's kind of the finality of that. That does, like we were saying, echo closely what Fitz and Night Eyes went through. She's like, I just need to figure out who I am without you, without you telling me any answers. I need to be confident in myself. I think this is what's so sad about the damage that Kyle has done. And this again speaks to how much Kyle truly doesn't know about this, this culture or society of the old Bingtown traders. The ship needed somebody who wanted to be part of her to find herself. Right. We later get to see another live ship and how that live ship acts. And that is its own person. I think even Paragon seems to have his own personage. They're not connected right. in that way to a Vestra. It's not so strenuous. I think because Vivacia wasn't giving a willing com- companion, she and doesn't know what it feels like to have somebody willingly be on board her while she sails. There is that disconnect of she's always been reaching out for that connection. She wants to close that connection to feel safe and secure and feel like she knows what's going on. And instead of getting that, she's been fighting for that. And now she doesn't even know who she is. All she knows is she wants that. And because Wintrow is the person she was connected to who was trying to give her questions of morality of like, how could you just reach for me? That's so selfish in nature. Then she has to put up with, well, then maybe I don't need anybody. Right. The vestrits that at every turn have kind of, pushed her aside in her mind. Right. And that opens up the door for Kenneth later. We were talking about that a few episodes ago of like, how can Kenneth even be in there with Wintrow aboard? How can be he be in that conversation? And this is it right here. This is the crux of that situation. She sees Wintrow as betraying her time and time again, keeping himself separate, admitting that out loud. And the time apart really kind of solidified there's something more to me that I need to know. And this right here with Wintrow saying, you need time alone to figure out what you want. Have you ever thought about what you wanted besides just possessing me? Which, of course, makes her angry. But she takes that courage, that anger, and separates herself and then explores that with Kenneth later. Right. Because for once, somebody does want her and is open more of to Kenneth's sharing luck. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's... It's just really unfortunate. And I think had she had someone on board like Althea, this wouldn't have happened. I don't think. No, no. I think she would have been a lot more sure in herself. I think Althea would have taken the serpents very seriously. I think she would have 
even though I think Althea is kind of an inherently selfish character and does have her own flaws when it comes to being a little bit of a woe is me kind of person, I think she still would be able to put that aside for Vivacia and oh, 100%. put all her energy. Like she loved Vivacia. I think Vivacia is the character she cares for the most. Yeah. And out of all these books, I do think it stems from the fact that she is a little bit older, right? Even with horrible things happening to her, I think because she's older than Wintrow by multiple years, it's easier for her to put that aside and say, you know what? This young ship needs my help more. And she has a solid idea of who Vivacia is already. Yes. And I mean, we could go back and argue the morality of this, but I think that established partner who is willing to be on there is usually older, mm-hmm. not always, but usually older and more sure of the image that the ship is. Right. That probably helps are. mold. Yeah. Which helps mold and secure that live ship who is just awakening of like, oh, this is how you viewed me all the time. That must be how I am. These are things that happened when I was not quickened. And that's, you know, more coming into light now. This is who I am. This is how I act. Of course, they'll develop their own personality as well. But I think it's just that solid foundation, that right. base. And Wintrow is coming in with the questions of like, are you of Sa? I don't know if you're evil or not. Like this. Right. And that's <laughs> obviously not, not helping gonna... her. <laughs> no. And I think also the fact that he's never sailed on her before she was quickened right. has to be part of it. Like that's it's probably not good to have somebody's first voyage be on the maiden voyage of awakened live ship. I don't know. I think it's just a lot of things that went wrong because of Kyle that ended up in a more negative situation. Well, and then we have a section in vivacious head right after this happens. I don't know how to be myself without help. What if I go mad? She's wondering if she can even do this at all. She's spreading out her senses. She's tasting both wind and water, becoming aware of the serpents, not just the white one, but the other ones too, which who we know as Malkin, Trever, and Caesarea. And she blocks them out. Yeah, so in this moment, it's the first time a new reader is alerted to the fact that she who remembers is Vivacia. It is definitely Vivacia. We just had the serpents talking about it before. And now we have Vivacia knowing that they're trailing after her. If you didn't already realize when they talked about the white serpent, right? <laughs> which was the white provider, I guess it is the silvery. Oh, no, the white the serpent, white, yeah, white yeah, serpent yeah. that's following Vivacia. If right. you didn't recognize from that, this is another like, Oh, something's wrong. Dragons or serpents and the ships, live ships have right. something in common. There's something there. So that's, really interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. And she talks about blocking them out and wishing that she could block out the humans and the misery of the slaves within her and the confusion of the crew. But she says that the humans were too close to her. They touched her wizard wood in too many places. And despite herself, she was aware of Wintrow as he went from slave to slave, wiping faces and hands with a cool, wet rag, offering what small comforts he could. Both priest and vestrit, she thought to herself. She felt oddly proud of the boy, as if he were hers somehow, but he was not. With each passing moment of this separateness, 
she realized more the truth of that. Humans and their emotions filled her, but they were not herself. And she's still kind of caught up trying to balance those things. That she needs to find herself, even though she can feel those emotions somewhat. Right. And I think it's really important that she is now trying to figure out a way to separate herself from this misery. And she's never really had a chance to explore how to do that, how to separate from the humans, but it's helping her to stay grounded by knowing that their pain is not hers, that she is outside of that. And she is just working really hard to build that wall up and protect her herself in that way by reminding herself that she is separate from them. Right. And she finally settles on after a while of like, well, I don't know exactly who I am right now, but if I am no more than a ship, then I shall be a proud ship. And she gets the uh, rush of the currents and streamlines herself. And she uh, realizes that Gantry is on the wheel and senses his sudden pleasure and how well she ran before the wind. She could trust him. She closed her eyes and let it, let it flow, basically. She became a better ship here and asks herself, what do I want of my life? And this is this is what you were talking about where Kyle gets his wish anyways. Yeah. But it's her coming to the realization of I have to start somewhere. I don't know who I am or what I am, but I know for a fact that I am a ship. I might as well be the best I can for now. Right. While I discover what else I need. And yeah, it is just really frustrating that that comes at the expense of Kyle thinking he's right about how to treat women. <laughs> like, I'm glad that she's finding some sort of inner peace, but does she have to be a good ship to do that? I like, just don't want Kyle to win. <laughs> you can take pleasure in things that you can do well, though. Yeah, that's Even true. if somebody bad wants them done, you know? I suppose. And, you know, I think she's more doing it for Gantry again in this moment. She seems to really like Gantry. Yeah. As much as he isn't being super helpful to her in a way that matters, I guess, in calming her down. She does respect him as a sailor and care about him. And so she kind of just is like, all right, well, I can trust Gantry. He's enjoying this. I'm going to leave that for now. Mm hmm. We move on to a live ship who is secure in herself, Ophelia, and specifically Althea, who is talking to Ophelia. We start off this section with, you lied to my captain, boy. <laughs> so Althea now knows that Ophelia knows that she's a woman. Ophelia, like many figureheads of her day, had been arranged upon the beakhead of the ship rather than positioned below the bowsprit. So... We know Ophelia is a little bit higher up. You can kind of interface with people more easily as opposed to Vivacia, who is always said to be looking over her shoulder or turning back around. Right. I think she's also, Vivacia is at lower down, so everybody's kind of looking down at her, whereas Ophelia is looking down at everyone else, it seems. Yes, or somewhat a little bit higher than Vivacia, at least. Right. Either way, I feel like, it doesn't make sense to me that they changed the way that the live ships were situated, considering they at that point knew that the figureheads come to life. Why wouldn't they want to keep them in a spot where they're 
able to better communicate with the ship? Probably just changes in how ships are made, you know, advances in technology, things like that. I suppose. Because it says, you know, ships of her day. Yeah. Which we know Ophelia is rather old. Yeah, she's one of the first live ships. Mm -hmm. Althea didn't dare reply to her. She was sitting cross-legged on a small catwalk that had been built, and she'd been told solely that Ophelia might socialize more easily. So again, she's not, you know, deck level or anything like that, but hanging above something. But this ship has been specially built so they can interface with the figurehead. And Ophelia likes to game. And she is uh, particularly fond of games of chance. And Althea, as the extra hand on board, immediately was called for by Ophelia because then she has somebody to talk to and gossip with. They also talk about how they have this oversized cup with oversized dice in it that are still a little small for Ophelia, but bigger than Althea. So it's this medium, you know... I guess, size. And it's the property of Ophelia. And Althea kind of guesses that Ophelia probably cheats in some way, but she can't quite figure out how because Ophelia's hands cover all of the cup while she shakes. And so there's no way that she would be able to mess with the dice and not have Althea see. But I do wonder... It's not really talked about, but I don't know. Are these made out of wizard wood or is it regular wood? It isn't I, stated. Yeah, I would so, guess no, because that I feel like would be talked about as like a trivial use of wizard wood, which traders wouldn't really want to do. But it could have just come with like maybe here's my <laughs> thought. Like, <laughs> They're like, like they had a little extra. They're like, this family loves gambling. Let's just make a little... <laughs> Like maybe the older generation just had more specialized, specific maybe. figures. I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe. <laughs> I, I feel like no, but maybe. But maybe. that's why I was thinking that maybe that's how she's cheating. Because if it's wizard wood, I could see her being able to control the wood. Although I guess not every part of the ship is wizard wood. And right. the ships seem to be able to control all of the wood on board. Yeah. Oh, so, I don't know unclear how that magic works but apparently or just sleight of hand practice over hundreds of years true she has a lot of years of experience maybe there's more dice that althea doesn't know about yeah so ophelia keeps tally sticks of what each crew member owes her she likes gambling quite a bit here and althea tosses and says you win again and althea's like yep i do do you want to up the stakes which Althea is kind of opposed to. Is like, well, you already won more than I, I have, so I don't know what else we could do. And Ophelia is like, yes, perfect. If I win, I get to ask you questions. She also mentions that, of course, they have to change the stakes of the game because if they don't, then how will she ever get paid? Right. So very funny. Ophelia is definitely a character. <laughs> oh, yeah, she is. And Althea's kind of responding to that, like, why, why bother? I think you already know my secret and prayed it was no more than her sex. If that was all Ophelia knew and all she could reveal, then she was still relatively safe. And she thinks about how violence aboard a live ship was not really tolerated and there wasn't a chance that she could get raped here. Yeah, it's not unheard of for violence to happen on the ship, but 
it is really rare because the ships can feel it. And so you don't want to cause duress, which is really interesting because even Althea knows this. So this seems to be not so much of a secret that everyone knows that the people on board of a live ship control the mood of the ship. You say even Althea knows, but she is the daughter of a... No, but I'm saying like (laughs) she never had to do any... Like she wasn't the captain. She didn't have to do any... Like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I know she wasn't like super involved in like all of the trade, but I'm, I'm thinking of like... Efren probably told her some things about live ships because she was probably set to inherit. I guess. she was curious, you know? I I feel like she probably had a little bit more knowledge than just the base sailor. But the way she talks about it seems like everybody, even non-family members, know this on board a ship. Right. That's why it's not. Which means Kyle. (laughs) Yeah, but Kyle should know that. If the people on Ophelia know you can't cause distress to your ship... And they're not blood related to her. Wouldn't then Kyle know? You know, that's more the question that I have. Right. But Kyle never sailed on an awakened live ship before. I guess. It was always the uh, the sleeping. I suppose he wouldn't ask anyone. Right. (laughs) And it's not not like anybody who could give him that knowledge he would listen to. So I guess. Never mind. (laughs) But we'll leave Kyle behind in the previous sections here because Althea is thinking about how she still wants to keep her secret and that who she is a secret. She doesn't want to tell Ophelia because she knows Ophelia is a gossip. And she's hoping it's only that she is a woman that is in hiding. So Althea doubted that she would uh, be assaulted aboard this ship. Though the rough courtship of a sailor attempting to be gallant could be almost as fierce as and bruising. Consider Brashen, for instance, she thought to herself, and then wished she hadn't. Lately he popped into her mind at unguarded moments. She probably should have hunted him down in Candletown and bid him goodbye. That was all she was missing, putting a final close to things. Above all, she should have never let him have the last word. So again, we have evidence here that she's thinking of Brashen popping into her head often. In right. our unguarded moments. <laughs> right. And there's, again, that denial of it being anything more. It's just that she let him have the last word and she should have not let him have that. And that's why she keeps thinking of him. There's no other reason. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So Ophelia says, yeah, I know part of your secret already, but I'm sure you want to keep keep it that way. And they go back and forth a little bit of like... Althea's flattery, oh, such a grand woman as yourself would never tell, uh, never be so petty as to give away another secret. And they finally decide for three three more throws of the dice. For each one Ophelia wins, she gets to ask a question which Althea will have to answer truthfully. And if Althea wins, ultimately is decided that after thinking for a while that maybe Ophelia would help convince the captain that Althea could stay on board, but reveal who she is fully and stay on board as a sailor. And that's after thinking a little bit through of, it's so nice to be on a live ship again. Despite the title of extra hand, the captain had found plenty of things to keep her busy, but he was fair and Ophelia was beautiful and sweet tempered. And she was realized that she's been very content over the past week or so. 
Ophelia responds to her saying, you think very loud. Has anyone ever told you that? I think I like you almost as much as you like me. You want me to ask Tanira to keep you on, don't you? And this is where Althea says, more than that, I want him to know what I am and still be willing to let me work for him. Ophelia, of course, is mock complaining because she's a wonderful person to talk to. <laughs> she's very funny. It says, that is a high stake. And of course, I couldn't promise it, promise it only that I'd try for it. She winks at Althea and they then agree to their terms. Shake the box, girl. Mm-hmm. They agree to their terms. And of course, Ophelia wins all three rounds. And after the first winning round, Althea says, okay, ask your question. And Ophelia says, well, I don't ask yet. I want to see how many questions I get. (laughs) Then they play the rest of the rounds where she wins all three. And the first question is, what is your full name? Where Althea answers truthfully. And Ophelia says, no, she breathes out in a scandalized delight. You are a vestret. A girl from an old trader family runs off to sea and leaves her own live ship behind. Oh, how could you, you wicked thing, you heartless girl? Have you any idea what you put Vivacia through? And her just a little slip of a thing barely quickened and you leave her next to alone in this world. Heartless, wicked, tell me why. Quickly, quickly, or I shall die of suspense. Althea responds that it was not her choice. I was forced off my family ship, she said quietly, and suddenly it all came back. The grief at her father's death, her outrage at her disinheritance, her hatred of Kyle. Without thinking, she reached up to put her palm flat against the great hand that Ophelia reached down to her in sympathy. Like a floodgate opening, she felt the sudden outflow of her feelings and thoughts. She took a long, shuddering breath. She had not realized how much she had missed simply being able to share with someone. The words spilled from her. Ophelia's features grew first agitated, then sympathetic, as she listened to Althea's tales of her wrongs. Oh, my dear, my dear, how tragic! But why didn't you come to us? Why did you let them part you? Come to who? Althea asked dazedly. Why, the live ships. It was all the talk of Bingtown Harbor when you disappeared and Haven took Vivacia over. More than a few of us were upset by it. We had always assumed you would take the Vivacia over when your father's time was done. And she was so upset, poor thing. We could scarcely get a word out of her. Then that boy, um, Wintrow, came aboard. We were so relieved for her. But even then, she didn't truly seem content. And if Wintrow was brought aboard against his will, why, then that explains so much. But I still don't see why you didn't come to us. I never thought of it, Althea admitted. It seemed a family thing. Besides, I don't understand. What could the other live ships have done? You give us very little credit, darling. There is much we could have done. But the final threat was that we would have refused to sail. All of us. Until the Vivacia was given a willing family member. Althea was shocked, and after a moment she managed. You would have done that for us? Althea, honey, it would be for all of us. Perhaps you are too young to remember. But once there was a live ship called the Paragon... He was similarly abused and driven mad by the abuse. Ophelia closed her eyes and shook her head. At the time, we did not act. By our failure to aid one of our own, he was irreparably damaged. No live ship passes in or out of Bingtown Harbor without seeing him, pulled out of the water and chained down, abandoned to his madness. Ships talk, Althea. Oh, we gossip just as much as sailors, and no one gossips like sailors. The pact was made long ago. If we had but known, we would have spoken up for you. 
and if speaking did not work, then yes, we would have refused to sail. There are not so many live ships that we can afford to ignore one of our own. I had no idea, Althea said quietly. Yes, well, and perhaps I have spoken too freely. You understand that if such a pact were well known, it might be misconstrued. We are not mutinous by nature, nor would we ever enact such rebellion if it were not needed. But neither would we stand by and see one of our own abused again. So we learn a little bit more about live ship culture and society. They have mm -hmm. their own separate friendships. They talk. They have their own pact to try to prevent what happened to the Paragon from happening again. And they saw the beginnings of it with Vivacia. I think what's really important about this is up until this point, the only viewpoint of what happened to Paragon that we have gotten is from Paragon and only then in bits and pieces. So we don't really know the full of it. We don't know how things looked from the other live ships point of view. And we do know now that they are very upset about it. I think Paragon thinks that they all hate him and are disgusted by him and that he's not one of them, but they don't feel that way. They still see him as one of their own and they still are very sorry for what they let happen, which is kind of crazy because it wasn't really their fault. You know, like it wasn't the ships didn't know. They didn't know it had never happened before. It's not like they could have prepared for it. So I think it's just good that they ultimately decided that it would never happen again. Right. It seems to me, and it implies that there was an unwilling partner for the live ship for Paragon yeah. on board at one point, and they didn't speak up about it, even though they may have felt off. And then that happened, and then they felt guilty for not doing something. Right. So. Yeah, so it's very interesting to see. And then we also get to hear, or I guess... Althea also gets to hear how miserable Vivacia was because of her choices. And I think that's yeah. important too, because I think before this, Althea was kind of able to pretend like this had nothing to do with her and like, this wasn't really her fault. This isn't on her and there's nothing she could do. Vivacia understood. And then to get to hear that, no, Vivacia is miserable and has been miserable and it's kind of her fault, I think is kind of a good kick in the butt of... You know, like you were so worried about your own self and your own, like proving your own point that you forgot that there was somebody else suffering. But it also offers her another way to get Vivacia back, which True. is what I think she really needed to hear because she's been so down about the plan to stand before the Bingtown Council. Right. So this is another way from a different leverage point that maybe that point could get driven across. Right. But I think it also is really interesting because it poses the threat of what does their, what would their society do about this? Like they're so about the old ways and following tradition and tradition says that you have to follow the will of the deceased person. And here the ship is contesting it. Like all of the live ships are contesting it. Would it have actually worked? Y you know, I think they would be forced to because if all of the live ships refused to sail or sailed poorly, then yeah. And if if they're saying they refuse to sail, that means they would not take them up the Rain Mile River because they're the guides. True. Yeah. So that would have a huge hampering on any sort of I, profit coming through. That's a good point. And I kind of wish we could have like read that book. 
You know, right, I want to. Yeah, no. I want to know how Kyle reacts to that. A little bit more like political, uh, in that sense. Yeah, but still, I think it'd be really interesting to see how. I mean, obviously, everybody would just have to ice out the vestrits, right? They would have to say, "We're never doing business with you again. Yeah. We want all of our money back now," which they don't have. And then, but then it's also the reverse of now after they've done that and they finally give them the way of letting Althea be captain, then what? Yeah, I don't know. Do they say, okay, you guys can have your credit back? Like, it's fine. I mean, a lot of the stuff that happens in the third book would still happen with Chalced and Jamalia. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. It's, it'd be very interesting. Interesting what if. Mm-hmm. But this offers, as I mentioned, offers Althea another way to potentially get Vivacia back. And she asks if it's too late. But Ophelia insists, like, you know, it might take a little bit now, but we can't do much until Vivacia comes into Bingtown. But then, yeah, then we should be able to put pressure on the families. And ultimately, that pressure looks like us talking to our families who put pressure on your family to let this happen. Right. And I think what's really important in this is that she puts emphasis on the fact that they have to talk to Vivacia to see her point of view, that right. they're not just going to take Althea's word, that they're going to make sure that Vivacia is actually unhappy and that what Althea is saying is true. And I think that's also really important is that sure. Anybody could come up there and say they're aggrieved and be like, threaten my family so that I can get what I want. But Ultimately, they have their own code where they're saying, you know, yeah. it kind of doesn't matter if you don't like it, if Vivacia is okay with it. Yeah, it, it's not to put the right people at the helms of these live ships. It's for the well-being of the live ships themselves so they don't see another paragon. Right. It's to make sure that the ships are happy in their situations. Yeah, and I think that's really important and a really cool thing that they have done for each other. That they're like, you know what, it doesn't even matter what the humans think. It's not about them. And I think that's really nice. And I do also want to quick ask your thoughts on why she's being kind of so cryptic about like, well, maybe I've spoken too freely. We wouldn't want people to know that we talk. Because it implies that they could just do that. They could just refuse to sail and like she says, be mutinous against their own families. Mm. And that does look a little odd especially from somebody from the traditional days as yeah. ophelia that's like a a breaking of a contract like a social contract probably so if you have a pact of like yeah we would ultimately decide not to sail i mean that's the ultimate pressure I'll, hopefully it wouldn't come to that but we would do that having that agreement bandied around is like okay do i ever trust my live ship to sail for me properly if I make a decision they don't agree with. That's fair. But I guess that's kind of what they're at the risk of now anyway, right? Like if my live ship doesn't agree with this, they could make life a living misery. So I'm going right. to try to make them happy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But with that, with that pact known, then it creates an additional thing of, well, our disagreements would then be known citywide mm. and they could create other pressures for me uh and also More i suppose like image things as well yeah i suppose it's one thing to know that you need to keep your ship happy with the cargo and the way that you treat people and another thing to know that even the decisions you're making on land can affect how your right. ship is sailing mm -hmm. 
because that feels like an overreach, I'm sure, to somebody who has not ever had to worry about that. Right. So Althea is silent for a while, just kind of thinking about things, and Ophelia finally asks her what she is thinking about. And Althea responds that she's maybe wasted the better part of a year away from Vivacia. Yes, she became a better sailor, and she learned a lot of things, but she'll never be able to regain the wonder of the first few months of her life. You are right, Ophelia, heartless and wicked, or maybe just stupid and cowardly. I don't know how I could have left her alone to deal with Kyle. We all make mistakes, my dear. I wish all of them could be righted as easily as this. Of course we will get you back on board your own ship. Of course we will. I don't know how to thank you. It was like being able to take a deep breath again, or to stand up straight after bearing a heavy burden for a long time. She had never grasped that live ships might share such feelings for one another. Her individual bond with Vivacia had been all she had perceived. She had never paused to think that in time her ship might develop friendships with others like her, that she and Vivacia might have allies beyond each other. And Ophelia laughs and like, well, you still have to answer one question. (laughs) (laughs) And this is kind of Althea's good natured about it. She kind of laughs and says, you've asked me way more than three questions. I think your questions are done. And she said, no, no, you gave those freely. And that was more conversational questions. They didn't count. (laughs) (laughs) And Althea is feeling generous because she has her hope back. She has a an answer from a live ship saying, oh yeah, it's easy. We'll definitely get you back on board Vivacia. So big weights lifted off of her shoulder. She was, so she's like, yeah, ask away. One more question. That's fine. And Ophelia smiles and a bright spark of mischief came into her eyes. For a second, she bit the tip of her tongue between her white teeth. Then she asked quickly, who is that dark-eyed man who gives you such stimulating dreams? The chapter ends there. <laughs> so yeah, it's just the the proper goodbye that that Delthea's missing. You know, uh-huh. that's it. Definitely close no. that chapter. I think it is so funny to think about the fact that Althea is so open and in tune with the like connection of a live ship that she inadvertently is allowing a live ship into her inappropriate dreams, right? And yeah. that like. The cringe, the, when I first read that, I was like, oh no, like <laughs> I clutched my pearls. I was very, like, I can't, I can't imagine like that is a private time. You don't get to ask about that. Like, <laughs> um, Ophelia did say to Althea, you know, you think very loudly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It reminds me of the, uh, the Fitz and Verity discussion. Yes, yes. Like, you dream real loud. <laughs> uh-huh. It's very, I don't know, it, like, gives me that internal cringe, but it's good. It's, like, so good. It's so funny and well-written, but I don't know. So, anyway, I love that so much. Oh, yeah. So, overall, this is one of our longer chapters in a little bit, but it is the preparation and the opening for the rest of this book and into the next book. Right. It's it's amping up for the finale. Yeah. Because we have this hope once again for Althea, who's going to get torn down once again and create that desperation of, right. for Vivacia, that lust for Vivacia. Because she kind of lost it, right? She, she was on Ophelia. She's contemplating asking to stay on as Althea, just to work right. on a live ship again. And then Ophelia gives her that hope and that kick in the butt to go after Vivacia when she figures out that 
by Vivacia was taken over by pirates later on. And for Wintro and Vivacia themselves, they have a rift that allows Kennet to kind of saunter in and woo Vivacia to his side a bit. Right. They're both feeling isolated alone, and that allows both of them to latch on to Kennet. Yeah. And I think what's really important about this chapter is it opens up the idea that there is a way to connect with a live ship that isn't your own. Like yeah. In the conversation, while Althea is trying to describe what has happened between her ship and herself, she is touching the wizard wood. She is grabbing onto Ophelia's hand. She is opening herself up to Ophelia and sharing on a deeper level the feelings and the hurt and not just verbally. And I think that's mm-hmm. a really important thing yeah. because up until this point, we weren't sure if that is something that could happen. We we did see it with Paragon quite a bit. I right. mean, him and Amber and him and Althea both did it. Right. But that I think that one is more like he's an outlier, so maybe things are weird for him in oh, general. Fair. He's a mad ship. I think this is the yeah. first time we're seeing a working adult live ship. Who has a healthy bond with somebody. <laughs> yes, who, like you said, has a healthy bond and who knows who they are, who knows what the magics are, I guess and is able to open themselves up to Althea, is able to read Althea's dreams. I think that's a really interesting intake of information and does prep you for the idea that Kenneth can reach out. Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was a really interesting chapter. Mm-hmm. I like. It's nice to have a light chapter. <laughs> well, somewhat uh, light, I guess. It ends in a light note. <laughs> yeah, ends on a light note. That's fair. That's fair. So is Fitz happy? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. If you have thoughts about this half of the chapter, please let us know. Uh, Write in, email us, isfitzhappy at gmail.com, or you can message us directly at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or on our uh, YouTube, where it is Fitz Happy on all four of those as well. And as always, don't forget to... uh, like us on all the platforms that you listen to us on rate us review please we enjoy hearing back from you about our content and how we're doing as well yeah we really enjoy hearing from you guys and can't wait to see what you guys say next week 